Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the Ify Market Podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. The Ify Market Podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Michael Greenberg of Call for Content about ROI and podcasting, a topic that uh, I, I love, at least the, the podcasting part of it, the ROI part. Mm-hmm. Eh, we'll get to that, Michael. We'll get to that. So- All marketers love ROI. We do love ROI, but in my podcast, again, that'll be a a good part of the, I don't want to get into it yet. First, let me just kind of mention who Michael is. Michael Greenberg, he's the CEO of Call for Content. He's an author of the B2B Podcast Playbook and basically a podcast ROI expert. Michael, I can't remember and don't really care uh, how we ran into each other, but I am glad we did. This is a topic that I love, so I'm super excited to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me today. So ROI in podcasts, a topic that a lot of companies that are either looking to get into a podcast or started one really scratch their heads on. And let me let you start on it because I have so many thoughts and you're the guest. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to try not to dominate the conversation too much here. Can you just just speak to that, to ROI and podcasts? Oh, man. I mean, I think I could speak to this for the next month if we wanted to. Do you want me to give a more specific question just to have you somewhere to go? go here, yeah. Um, let, me, let me give you a couple different paths to ROI, and then we can go down each one individually. Yeah. Because I think marketers think ROI, yeah, I'm going to put in this many dollars. I'm going to get out this many dollars. Right. So where are you putting those dollars in podcasting? Are you making a podcast? Are you buying a podcast? Are you buying ads on other podcasts? Or are you just placing executives as thought leaders on podcasts? Right. Oh, wow. So we're going back even farther than I was thinking. It's not just make your own podcast. You can buy an existing podcast. You can buy a seat on a podcast or you can buy ad space on a podcast. So you're stepping way back and saying, what is it that you're looking for from podcasts? Maybe you should just sponsor one. In fact, maybe you should sponsor the If You Market podcast. We're accepting money. Um, <laughs> so you're going, you're going all the way back to that. Um, just to give a little more context here for the listeners, we're also going to want to go into with having a podcast, what are the different ROIs of that? Because in the ROI conversation, thinking dollars in, dollars out, well, it isn't just dollars. It's how much time and energy and resources are you putting in? And then the outside also isn't just dollars. Ultimately, you want to see that on the balance sheet, but you have your branding, you have your content, you have all these other things that provide value on on the other side. And in many cases, podcasting and dollars aren't really the equation. Um, But stepping back to the stuff you pointed out, are you making it? Are you buying it? Are you sponsoring it? Are you, what was the other, buying a spot basically? Yeah. Saying, hey, we'd like to co-host the podcast and we'll, um, what would you call that? Getting inserted into? Sponsorship. But I've seen those go, I've seen the contracts and the offers around those start to expand to the point where a brand might find a show in the space. Mm Mm-hmm and give a licensing contract where they're not quite buying the show, but they're taking over essentially all operations. They're keeping on the existing host, and then they're maybe putting on another one or two, or they're adding in some sort of special feature or second episode set. Right. 
it's uh, I think of that as the hybrid between buying a show and buying ads or a sponsorship on a show. So it's like when a um, a company buys a stadium, they sponsor the stadium. It's now called the you know Staples Center, the whatever company they they rebrand the stadium themselves instead of this being the iffy market podcast brought to you by mountaintop data because we create it um you know it'll be brought to you by whatever company wants to pay us enough money yep right that's exactly right so a lot of options there is there something you recommend um is there a way to figure that out yeah i think that podcasts are the best terms of content marketing they're probably number two or three on my list as content marketing channels. So the question I'd ask first is how big is your audience already? Mm-hmm. How big is your existing email newsletter? Do you have any drip content? Is this the first thing you're doing or is this the 10th thing? And right. alongside that, what's your budget, time and money? Now, why does the audience size matter in the decision-making? What's the, what's the logic there? When you have a larger audience, starting your own show makes more sense. But if you have a a really large audience and also a large budget, it might make better sense to buy a show that's already established. Interesting. Okay. But if you have a small audience starting a podcast, you're basically um, investing a lot of time and energy into remaining obscure. You're not going to grow your audience from podcasting, but the people who listen to your podcast are going to be fantastic relationships. Right. Um, We sort of informally count a podcast subscriber or regular listener as one and a half newsletter subscribers. And at the same time, they're probably about 10 times more difficult to get. So yeah, the, the equation there, the relationship, it is difficult to get um, podcast listeners, we occasionally pay attention to that. And we probably had a smaller audience to start with. And so starting a podcast for us, we weren't, we weren't looking luckily to build a giant audience. We did not expect that. So we were able to stick around because our ROI equation didn't require either dollars or um, you know, uh, increasing levels of listenership to, to survive, to, to be uh, of any value. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's really the key is that when you were talking about earlier, the podcast equation, it's time and money in and you get out. If you monetize the show, you get out real capital, you get out cash, but the primary asset that you generate with a podcast is social capital. It's relationships And alongside that, it's just content and content that you can transcribe, turn into video, reuse in a dozen other ways. Yeah. We have another podcast coming up about marketing um, with a podcast and using the podcast as the central hub of your content because it it turns so easily into everything else. Yeah. We call that audio first. Yep. And that's the value we found in... um, from the get-go, what we were looking for. And I think why we've been able to be around for a long time without saying this isn't working out because as long as we are creating, you know, quality content, um, it's working out because everything else can branch off of that. Yes. There's no expectation of 
dollars connected to the uh, the podcast itself. But with a good CRM and mm-hmm. a little bit of attribution tracking from Google Analytics, you can get a pretty good idea that dollars do come from the podcast eventually. Yeah. I mean, we have made many valuable connections with people and, and who knows, I'd have to check with, with uh, marketers to see if there's any attribution trickling back, but uh, the people we've met with and talked to on the show um, and the relationships that are built from there. Yes. I'm sure there's things that have trickled out um, from that. And that's, that's where I like to focus mm-hmm. because in order for a show to sell ads, it's going to need 10,000 downloads an episode, mm-hmm. unless it's in B2B or something where we can get a really high value for the audience. It's difficult for us to sell ads, sponsorships. You have to sell one by one for a show. And so it only makes sense if you can sell a three or a six month at a time. Right. So B2B is our audience. So you say 10K for like a consumer podcast. Um, yeah. B2B, I say about 2000, though we've gotten sponsorships for shows in 500, 300 downloads an episode, so long as it's the right audience. Right. It's such a niche that, that the numbers get smaller, but you still have to get a decent number of, of regular listeners to have any sort of sponsorship value. So if somebody's looking down that path, they have to know, I mean, I feel like if you have that large of a listenership already or of an audience and you have the kind of budget to look to build that at the same time, it's still probably not something you should be focusing your time and energy on trying to make the small amount of money you're going to make off of um, sponsorship and ads on your podcast. Yes and no. I think there's a flip side to that, which is let's say you're a brand and you start a podcast and you get up to 500, 600 downloads an episode. Mm -hmm. You've got costs associated with that show. You've got other partners that you're working with, other companies that you're already reaching out to. You have the podcast, you have the guest appearances on the show, and you have the sponsorship, those ad slots, that you can now use as part of your negotiations and other partnerships. Right. So it can be a, a partnership creator kind of and help, help balance out the ROI on the podcast and make it look a little better. But I guess my point is it doesn't feel like you want to spend a ton of time and energy trying to squeeze that dollar ROI out Definitely of the podcast. Not. You want to squeeze audience and leads out of that podcast. Mm -hmm. And when I talk leads, if your lead value is high enough, you can set up a show where the entire purpose is just to, that requires a pretty high value though. I don't know if uh, it was intentional, but our connection cut out briefly there when you were saying the entire purpose. I think our editors didn't want people (laughs) to know since we do a podcast. A lot of them don't. Uh, we, I catch a lot of flack for talking about this podcast strategy in the open. And can you just repeat it? Cause I, I think the connection had cut out. You can simply interview your ideal leads on the show. If you have a high value per lead that works, we've seen it work with executive coaching and other consulting types of engagements time and time again. Right. And that's, that's what I thought you had said and we're saying, and that I'm one of the people who says, don't talk about that too much. 
Um, this is the only time we're going to bring it up this episode. My concern with that always is I don't want my guests to think that they are targets rather than guests, that it's a bait and switch kind of setup. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so, I think I pitched to be on this show. Yeah. Which I, I'm I think guessing is how you get most guests. And that doesn't, if people are pitching you, that strategy does not work. Yeah. But we do reach out to people that I want to connect with. Um, I, you know, our, our company sometimes will come to me and say, Hey, can you invite this CMO on? We want to get a connection there. So that is a real thing. Um, but I think they, I will tell them sometimes, well, that person doesn't have, I don't know what we talk about. You know, give me, do some research and find something they've written uh, something on that's of value to our listeners because to have them on and do a bad episode isn't going to help, help you. Um, so I would say that is a technique out there, but people have to understand that if you employ it just for that, it can start to backfire on you when people realize they're just being used and you won't have a good show because, okay, you got them on and now you're going to make a connection, but you're spending no time and energy on creating a good product. Um, so they're probably going to cut, walk away saying that was a bad experience. And then listen to it and say, that was crap. <laughs> that's, uh, that's actually a really good point. I say all of this stuff. I will talk about how you can make money with a podcast that has zero downloads all day, but you still have to get good content out at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's tough if you're, if it's all those other things, we're looking to network, to get leads, to get a foot in the door. Um, I would imagine it's very tough to create a quality product then because you don't really care about the product because you don't care about the listeners. I think you have to just not care about that. Yeah. Like even if you, you hire somebody like us to plan it all out for you so that you never have to think about that dirty bit. Yeah, I guess. And make sure whoever the host is that they're interested in doing a podcast regardless. Yes. And <laughs> they have to be will... interested in the people too. Right, right. So don't let them know almost that, that that's the purpose. And then <laughs> just put your head of sales in charge and they'll get the job done without ever knowing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just make sure your host doesn't know. And then you have plausible deniability and you can actually produce the product you need. Um, so that is one reason for a podcast. It's one way to get ROI out of there um, when you're creating your own, I guess. You could possibly do that when you're licensing, um, when you're sponsoring as well. Um, so you don't always have to create your own maybe to pull that off. I think we want to go one level deeper on the content first. Great. Yeah. Because that's where the real value is. Yes. This is where the math gets ironclad. And you can no longer tell me that a podcast is not the best method to create content. Absolutely. Yep. Again, I want to reemphasize, I am specifying content creation here as distinct from content marketing. Right. Because the podcast value happens during creation. What you do with it afterwards, that's on you. (laughs) Yes. And that gets to the uh, um, fuck content marketing book. And saying, hey, you have this content you're already creating. Now use the shit out of that instead of creating a ton more. Um, and this is where podcast as content can be that central piece of content that you can then say, great, let's repurpose this in 20 different ways instead of doing a unique blog post and all these other um, you know, videos and, and my internet connection is cutting out. <laughs> 
This would be a great time for a public service announcement. If you're going to do a podcast, make sure you have good audio. Yeah. Don't be a schmuck and have your audio cutting in and out on you. Or switch to a system like Squadcast that records lossless double-enders. Oh, interesting. Okay. Let me, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes and check it out myself. I'm using Zoom. We have for a while because we like the video part. Oh, Riverside, if you want video, is what we're using now. Excellent. I'll put the, all that in the show notes for everybody. Um, and they actually have call-in features, which is something I'm really excited to use with my next show. Fantastic. One issue we had early on, we were using a system designed specifically for podcasts, and it did have that records locally on both sides and uploads function. Are you talking about Zencaster? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Zencaster broke like mm-hmm. a year or two ago and they didn't fix it for months. I think maybe we'd switched out before that because we were looking for video. We wanted to be able to see, to communicate, especially mm-hmm. with myself and the co-host. So we weren't constantly stepping on each other. Um, but uh, so we found Zoom before everyone else found it. And now if you don't have the perfect connection, your audio can cut in and out, which is podcast death. That is a fact. <laughs> so hopefully this episode on podcasts can be edited in a way that uh, all the drop in and outs that we're occasionally experiencing don't kill it. Um, <laughs> I think we'll be all right. So perfect public service announcement like the Berenstein Bears. of uh, I'm showing you guys what not to do with podcasts there. <laughs> and nobody under 40 will know that reference i, I I'm, I'm under 40 and i got that one. Oh, fantastic i assumed i was the last generation to ever see that book i, I didn't even know if it was uh, specifically for my generation or not yeah i'm i mean i'm late 20s and i guess they could have been my brothers but it looks like they still had them coming out into the 2000s Fantastic. Great books for kids. Yep. <laughs> it's like somebody messing up constantly and just saying, don't do this. <laughs> okay. So we've got, we've got into the value a bit. Sponsors, content. Now let's drill down when you're talking about ROI into the content. I think that's, that's really where we want to go with this is yeah. to emphasize you are not going to get a dollars in dollars out ROI. Most likely you really need to get it through the podcast as content. Yeah, so let's start with how many words per minute do we talk? Oh, wow. Okay. And then let's compare that. Do you know how many words per minute you type? I am a decent typer. I'm probably in like the 40-something range. Okay. So people talk between 100 and 200 words per minute. Yeah, so I'm probably about 250. And... I'm not sure about you, but I talk a little better than I write, especially for my first drafts. Mm -hmm. I also don't know everything, but I can interview subject matter experts. Right. And I happen to be lucky enough to be an American from the Midwest. That gives us, you know, just fantastic accents for transcription technology. And five years ago, it would have cost me a dollar to 70 cents a minute to have a transcription done. Now it cost me nothing. So what that means is that if I take a content outline and I just brain dump, talk out my thoughts, try to dictate bits of it, transcribe that, 
and use that as the first draft to be edited into form. I can cut my speed to draft by 60 to 70%. And are you talking for an article, a blog post, all the above? Everything. I'm finishing a book on it now. Fantastic. I want uh, that for the show notes of when, when you're done as well. We'll make sure we put that out so the, uh, the listeners can find the book on it. Um, now, when you say transcribing is free, I know there's paid services. What do you use for the free transcription? Yeah, so I say free because I mean effectively zero cost. Mm-hmm. Um, Otter.ai is what I use for transcription. They are, I think it's 10 hours a month you get for free. And then if you want, I pay $80 a year for, I think, 100 hours or 200 hours a month. Interesting. So, and yeah, 10 hours a month. If you're doing more than 10 hours of podcasting a month, you've got some serious track that you're laying down. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's a network. Yep. Um, So I know a trick that we were using for a while was if you upload it into YouTube as a video, they'll transcribe it then. And then you can copy out their transcription. And back in the day, I used to loop it through voice to text on a MacBook. Oh, wow. To do the same thing. Yeah, that's some, uh, that's, uh, that's some A-track level uh, recording from one tape deck to another kind of stuff there. Yeah. Once I found out that you could literally just loop an audio from output to input inside the system, mm-hmm. made it, it made it a lot easier. <laughs> nice. I love, I do love the voice to text. I start using that in my email and word documents and everything now. And I guess this is just a version of that saying, if you record a podcast, then turn it into a transcript and then, yeah, use that as your first draft for a blog post or whatever. You've got a lot of your ideas and stuff down and and you can work off of that. Yep. Okay. So content you're transcribing, then you can go blog, you can write articles, press releases, all kinds of stuff on that. What else can we do with this, uh, with this content? Yeah, let's talk video next. Excellent. So if you record video, just having two talking heads, you know, we're humans, we're all monkeys. We've got the, pretty much the same brain wiring. When we see a face moving, we look at it no matter where it is. Yep. That talking head, that works. And I like to use a cool a tool called a headliner mm-hmm. to create little videos out of the episodes. Normally, we'll create about a dozen. We've used headliner before. We started realizing that if you look at LinkedIn, um, we're in B2B, so we're on LinkedIn. I'm sure it's the same on Facebook and all the other places. You can put down a little audio track or a paragraph of, of uh, text but yes, if there's the talking head there, it doesn't actually add anything extra to the content to be able to see somebody's face necessarily. But for some reason, when you're scrolling through posts, ones that have a head talking, you're, I'm just so much, and I think everybody is so much, look at the, the number of views and hits and all the comments and stuff. The ones with a video that have a head talking versus not just have way more traction. It's talking head with text subtitles could be it is the most effective i've done too much testing to do anything else uh, unless somebody asks that's a good point because most if not all uh, social platforms do not let the audio come through automatically 
but I find myself scrolling and when I see the talking head, okay, great. But you see the text and your brain can't stop itself from starting to read it. Like you just start reading it and then you're hooked kind of, and you want to know what came before this, what came after just works amazing. Yes. I I've been caught by that. Yeah. And to your point, LinkedIn, since we are talking B2B today, like if you make one podcast that handles all the LinkedIn content for your profile. Yeah. I, yeah. I know how to make money on LinkedIn and it's by posting. It's not messages anymore. Right. Right. And yeah, the podcast, you got your video there done. You can make uh you know, longer form blog posts based off of it. One podcast, we do 45 minutes. Um, we'll occasionally take snips out using something like headliner we've used in the past. And you can get five snips out of one episode. You're not going to put the whole podcast up, of course. So you get these little word bites of one thought that, you know, went on for, for two minutes and you just get so many posts out of it. It's crazy. Yep. And so that, that's the real love because when you can put a podcast with a team like that, with a single person and you're giving them the most powerful networking tool you can give them to go and meet any interesting person they want within the category of the show, they can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. They can invite on somebody interesting whose LinkedIn post they see and you can really run the entire show out of LinkedIn and use that as your primary traction and growth channel as well. Right. Right. Fantastic. So your social media content all coming out of this, it's just basically content, content, content. Yeah. Let's talk the book on the content aspect. Yeah. Let's jump over. Let me mention one more thing first newsletter. Everybody's got a newsletter, a blog, the blog we've already kind of mentioned in the text to our speech to text, but a newsletter, we put out a newsletter every month, and we just highlight every podcast in it. And if we have no other content that month, still there's our newsletter. Yep. You should never have a podcast without a newsletter. Fantastic. In B2B, that goes 10 times. The way you should subscribe to the podcast in B2B is by entering your email and then getting sent the links where it is so they can subscribe on mobile. Right. Make it super easy to find that podcast. But by taking the email first, you end up owning everyone in the newsletter. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, it, it helps um, a lot for audience retention. The book. You wanted to make sure we get to the book. I know this. Yeah. It's crazy how fast time flies here. I mean, we still have a good bit of time. I don't think we're going to take a break in this episode. There's, there's too much talking to do. Awesome. 20 to 30. That's how many episodes it takes to make a book. Oh, interesting. So you're saying create a book out of your episodes. I just bought a podcast. The very first thing we're going to do with it in 2021 is take a book out of all of the old episodes, publish it on Kindle. So that sounds like something a character would say in a movie while having drinks. I just bought a podcast and then the conversation goes on from there. <laughs> I mean, advice from a few billionaires is more than enough to sell a couple copies. Right, right. So, okay, interesting. So you can turn it into a book. Let's twist the line of questioning here a little bit and say, you just bought a podcast. Why, how, how does that work? 
uh, did you, was it based on the guests that had been on it and saying, Hey, we can make a book and get our ROI directly from the content they already have. It's a bonus. Yeah. So I'm starting a new community with a subscription paid subscription community with a partner of mine. And we said, okay, well, we're going to build this thing off of a newsletter and a podcast. And that's going to be our combo. And then right as we were getting ready to get started, somebody else put a podcast up for sale in the exact same niche. And so I reached out to that guy. He accepted the offer. And three weeks later, we're just in the final steps of transferring and closing out. So you were going to create a podcast and then you just saw one. It's like I was going to build a house, but then I saw one. The exact 80 episodes, 205 star reviews, 500 downloads, an episode already going. Right. Saves a lot of time. Interesting. So is there some sort of like um, site where people list podcasts for sale? How do you even find yeah. out somebody's selling one? Uh, as we're recording this, before we got on the call, I was actually going over the terms of use agreement for us to launch that site because it doesn't exist yet. Um, <laughs> I did not know that when I asked the question. So there is no site like a stock market for podcasts, but you say you, you guys are building one. Yeah, we're actually building, if you're familiar with like Flippa or Empire Flippers, those sites, uh -huh. we're building that for podcasts. And we're actually building it with a podcast valuation app called Podcast Score uh, that's going to allow somebody to just give us their RSS feed, upload their download information from their host, and then we'll give them a value for their show, tell them based on benchmarks, how they compare to other shows for in their size category for revenue, and then uh, ask them if they want to sell it. Wow. So that's so you can score your, whether you're actually looking to sell it or just want to know where you stand um, or what, what the value is of your podcast, you'll be able to, that is something we had mentioned and we will have a link to that in the show notes for this as well. The, the podcast scoring part. I didn't know that it was part of a larger um, podcast stock market, if you will, uh, for, for buying and selling podcasts. That's, that's pretty fascinating when you're talking about ROI a whole nother area here of, Hey, if you have an audience, you could build up a podcast to sell. Or if you're just in the entertainment business and, and you think you can make a successful podcast and flip it, uh, or buy a podcast and ramp it up and flip it. That's uh, a whole new world of, of podcasting being opened up there. Yeah. I mean, with the, because podcasts are such long tail content, there are backlogs of shows that get thousands of downloads a week or a month that don't publish any longer. Oh, interesting. So buying an old show for the content as well. Um, that was one of the problems we had when we looked to start, we didn't want to start our own podcast, but every podcast we went to look to, to be a guest on or look to co-host and sponsor or anything like that wasn't there anymore. Like yep. they just weren't making new episodes probably because they didn't find an ROI and they thought there would actually be dollars at the end of the rainbow. Um, and so eventually we created our own just because there wasn't, everybody kept going, popping up and then it was like whack-a-mole. Uh, so you're saying don't last 20 episodes. Yeah. An episode, uh, your network or your market there basically will allow people to not only buy and sell 
existing running podcasts, but podcasts that have run there, it'll be like buying and selling TV shows or something like that. Uh, yeah. friends, friends may no longer be making new episodes, but it's still being syndicated somewhere. Actually, one of my partners sends me probably once a week uh, some music from Royalty Exchange saying this would be good podcast music. <laughs> Funny. So um, anybody listening- not familiar with that site, they sell yeah. music royalties. That's, that's great. Anybody listening that has created a podcast and then stopped doing it, now you can say, hey, maybe we can put this on this, uh, this site and uh, somebody will want to buy the content um, that, that you created and you know, abandoned, basically, uh, <laughs> once, it, once it was done. Okay, that's really fascinating. I, I wasn't prepared for that part of this whole ROI thing. I feel like that's Neither a whole I. other 10 episodes. <laughs> we, we honestly... We were building this podcast valuation thing and we were like, oh man, well, we've got a no code team now. Hey guys, how long would it take to build a marketplace to go with this thing? Oh, I know a couple of days. Okay, right. let's do that then. So that's, that's what I call like a shower idea. You're in the shower and you, it just pops in your head like, hey, we're already doing this. What about this? We could make this too. And so you guys, somebody had the idea there and floated it and they said, yep, let's do it. That's great. Yeah. I love those kind of ideas when, especially when you're feeding off of your own, um, rather than, you know, taking all the parts that are out there in the ether and saying, we can put these together in this way. When you're using your own parts, it makes something um, much more unique of a product that you're offering. Um, because when using parts that are already out there, you're going to create something that a bunch of other people are already creating because they, but when using your own parts, nobody could create it because they don't have your parts yet. <laughs> if that, I hope that makes any sense. It does. And I want to bring it back to podcasting. Yes. Find a way, please to transition back. Okay. I'm lost so here. you're a brand new brand who nobody's ever heard of before. Nobody knows you. Nobody cares. Nobody ever is going to, because you're not Google. Right. Right. If you're that brand, and you start a podcast, you've got a magic window when nobody's heard of your show yet because it hasn't launched. And so this is your opportunity to get the biggest possible guests you can for your brand new show. The biggest guest you get to launch the show is then the lowest level of guests you have on in terms of celebrity and status going forward. Right. So if you start with Obama and Shaquille O'Neal and uh, uh, you know the ghost of Elvis, um, every other guest that you go to now, you can basically say, hey, here's where we're at. Yeah, we're at, you want to be put level. up with these names. Yep. But if you start with people nobody knows the name of, when somebody looks to say, especially somebody with an audience, a name, getting asked constantly, um, they're going to look and say, who's been on this show? Is it just the guy's mom every episode and now I'm going to be on? Or am I on with the, you know, am I going to be around the people I want to be around at this party, basically? Yep. And now in doing that, you can skip over all the awkward where a startup stuff, where a new company that you've not heard of before. So how because... do you get that first person? Do you... You just say, Shaq, how much does it cost to have you come on my show for an hour? I mean, you call 100 Shaqs and one of them will probably say yes. Yeah. 
So, so basically look for a, um, what do they call that in a mall when you have the, the one store that's uh, the anchor store yep. for, for your show within the first handful of episodes. And we fill out those episodes with the people we call allied guests. Mm-hmm. That's where we stick in our case studies, our friends, our key partners and clients. Now you're talking about kind of producing and creating a podcast for success. Is this something that you guys do? Do you create podcasts for people as well? So yes, though most of the time we end up just creating a strategy for the marketing team to implement. And then we handle all of the post-production, everything after recording with our sister company, Podcast 360. So I'm realizing with that accidental um, plug there uh, that because we didn't take a break in this episode, I never got to what your company does. Um, <laughs> so a good, um, I guess, notice to everybody that that was a transition. What does your company do? I mean, it seems like you kind of do everything podcasting, but uh, can, you, can you give the listeners a little bit on the different kind of services you guys offer and, and what you do there? Yeah, so we, we have done everything in podcasting. That's where we started out there wasn't enough room to do more, to do just one thing in podcasting uh, five years ago. <laughs> I guess if you were doing just one thing, there just wasn't enough work. Yeah. You, were uh, you had to do everything because nobody else was doing anything. <laughs> and so that's expanded now this year. We've had the opportunity to really hone in and we've got podcast editing and post-production, everything after recording handled now through podcast 360. And that's also taking over all of the white label work that we used to do for other agencies. And then call for content is going to remain a podcasting strategy, podcasting consulting company. And we're actually going to take a few other of our most popular services and spin those out under new brands. So that way, everything, all the smarts, the knowledge, it's still call for content. But each individual thing people need is subdivided. So that way, well, we can sell more things to more people because right now, call for content can't take you on if you're not going to spend at least a few thousand a month. But right. Podcast 360, well, $360 a month, they handle everything. <laughs> 360 is a double entendre there in a non-sexual uh, way, I guess. Yeah, and that's that brand is... <laughs> going to be the one we're going to build out a whole suite of tools into uh next also a great domain podcast 360 i love it yeah it cost me about four grand <laughs> podcast 365 does that cost more or less <laughs> that'll cost less that's fine all right podcast 24 7 i imagine in looking for domains you scrolled through all those yeah i skipped right past those it was 360 or bust love it we did buy Podcast Unlimited, though. All right. So you have uh, the call for content, Podcast 360. You guys are covering everything from consulting to the actual production of it. Um, post-production, as far as, I mean, I guess the recording, post-production in the production, put it out there. But after the episode is out, the marketing of it and, um, and all that kind of stuff, are you involved in that area as well? The the trade, yeah. buying, selling, valuating, getting so sponsors. We handle, 
we go all the way through, but generally we like to say that for those sorts of services, they're really for professionals. Mm -hmm. So either a podcast network or a brand or a professional podcaster who already has a successful monetized show. Right. If you're just starting out in your mom's basement or your grandma's basement or your own basement, and uh, you're going to see what you can do, you know, you can get audacity and a couple tools and create your own podcast at, at, you know, no cost really. But once you get to a more professional level, that's what, that's what you're talking about here. Once you actually have some traction, know what you're doing and need some serious production and, and uh, business stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, we used to run ads at a much smaller scale for shows to grow, but now there's one company that does the absolute best ads for podcasts. They won't work with somebody if they're not spending at least, I think it's about 1500 on the campaign. Uh And so for a just starting out hobbyist podcaster, they don't have 1500 for an ad budget. Right, right. So that company starting out, of course, they're taking any business they can, but eventually they, you apply the 80-20 rule and you get rid of the bottom 80% of the business because the top 20 is worth too much. Um, yep. And so they've, they now get to the top 20% and then, um, and then you can talk ads. And that's, you know, we're building, we got a no-code team. We're building these apps and tools now because for smaller shows, we just don't have the resources to help them directly. Right. And so we've got to, we try to create content that says what we do. And now we're building tools to do the other parts that other people haven't been able to figure out yet. Fantastic. And then you within the company, what's your day to day? I mean, aside having your fingers in everything, it sounds like, um, what, what's your strategist? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do nothing day to day if everything's going well. <laughs> but if things start falling apart, you do everything. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I started the company. I was the only person in it for the first two years. I developed all of the B2B content marketing programs that grew the company. I mean, all of the operations. So I guess my, my job most days now is I'm in charge of marketing partnerships and talking about the company, being mm-hmm. out there and representing. And then I've got an awesome GM, Martin. He makes sure the trains run on time. Yep. That's awesome. So basically a true CEO versus a founder CEO that's having to do everything. You've got people doing the stuff and you're allowed to focus on the big picture and the new ideas and what's coming next and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Audio is part of my overall strategy. But as a larger or but as the organization as a whole, our focus is really in the business of businesses. And so that's why we're spinning out these smaller properties rather right. than remaining one big entity. So in that same line, in the what's coming next thing, you've got a lot of time and energy invested in podcasts. And podcasting is a, a relatively new thing, but it's been proven to be successful now. Is there a threat out there to podcasts? Is there something that's going to come along and replace podcasts? In that sense, is it a kind of a long-term fad at the moment? Or, or is this a real channel that's going to, going to remain? I think streaming digital audio is going to overtake podcasts forever. 
And what's the difference then between a podcast and streaming digital audio? Podcasts are labeled podcasts. <laughs> so semantics. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that, but I mean, it's a small difference, but semantics. yeah, that can, um, you say, what's the difference? The same thing. Well, if it's marketed different, then it's a completely different thing. Yeah. And the reason I say it like that though, is because the pathway I'm seeing is people, podcasts are the entrance point to at least for Americans and for the English speaking world, using digital audio for conversation again. Right. There are other parts of the world where they went mobile, they skipped over having desktops. And when they had internet, streaming audio was already possible. Right. Interesting. Okay. We went video first because we had the mobile issues made video impossible, made audio distribution impossible. Yep. So they're, they're jumping straight in. It's like they're starting with a blank slate at a much higher level. We've gone through every bleeding edge here in, in every technology. And sometimes mentally that gets you stuck in certain phases. Yep. And at least with podcasting, we're stuck in the divide where you see big podcasting acts just like radio or other traditional media Mm -hmm. and independent podcasting is largely ignored or doesn't get the coverage it deserves. Independent podcasting and the non-ad based monetization channels where we can find ROI without selling ads. That's where the opportunity is in podcasting. So opportunity is in audio. How important is it going to be to get your podcast into some sort of a network then just to exist? I mean, it seems to me like you've got the, the major leagues in sports possibly, and that's where everybody pays attention. But then you have all these little games going on all over the place, but, but nobody's going to them and nobody's watching them and there's no money there, but people are playing sports everywhere. And, and maybe the, all the little independent podcasts that individual people are creating, um, are kind of floating out there in the ether, but then you do have these podcast networks that are consolidating things. And I mean, is this going the direction like the old record labels where sure, a ton of people out there playing music, but if you want anybody to hear your music, you got to get on a label. Um, Or is it more like the new music model where everybody's out there independently and there's no point in getting on a label kind of. So there's one big difference between music and podcasts. Um, Well, actually, to answer your question first, it is much more the new music model. However, if you don't understand that model, which a lot of people still don't, then the idea of aggregating downloads to sell ads is a simple one to get behind. Right. Okay. I mean, I guess, yes, you have to have a network if the only way to to get your word out and to monetize yourself is to be on that network. But if there are sites where you can monetize your podcast through ads without having to belong to a large network, then, you know, you, you can self publish basically. You can already self publish the actual content, but now you need to be able to self monetize it. I'm not going to name a name here, but I know a, I know a Substack podcast with about 2000 subscribers on the Substack. And the podcast gets between three and 500 listens per episode. That podcast newsletter combo does about $1,200 a month. 
Are you not naming because you want to buy them and you don't want somebody else in first? <laughs> no comment. You're in the stock market of podcasts. I, I, I know you're out there monetizing and looking at them. I would buy them, that you know the in value. a second, but yeah. it's only like it's six months old. They don't want to sell it. Right. Oh, they're looking at it and they know their current value and their value in another six months are going to be so different. You're not going to pay for six months down the road value. So there's no, yes, they're, they're growing too fast, too successful to be bought basically. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Now, has it ever occurred to you, you're creating this basically stock market for podcasts, not to do that because now everybody is going to be able to go and buy these before you can. Yeah, I thought about that. <laughs> but see, if they want to, like, yes, I'm creating a tool to value the podcast. And yes, I'm creating the place to buy and sell them. But if you actually want to know if you're getting a good deal, you've still got to pay me to tell you. Right. And it's better to own the marketplace always. I mean, you can say, but I want to corner the fruit, but it's better to own the marketplace. Yeah. I mean, I've already got a small podcast brokerage. We've written a few acquisition plans for networks. And so having that sort of uh, supply available to us is going to allow for a whole new range of opportunities. Right. And I think we've seen in every industry, once somebody creates a marketplace where people can, I mean, marketplaces are what cause things to thrive, whether you're yep. talking about commerce or whatever it is, you create a stock market, business can thrive. Like you create a marketplace for anything. You have the iTunes store and suddenly apps thrive. Um, you know, without that, people just aren't going to go out and, you know, without somewhere to sell it, they're not going to make product. Um, so creating a marketplace for anything is just an awesome thing to do for the product itself. Once you have a marketplace like this, I can only imagine people think podcasts have blown up and everybody has one now. Just wait. <laughs> yeah, people think everybody has a podcast now. Just wait till there's a marketplace for them. Um, fantastic. We just keep rolling on this. I feel like we could talk forever. We didn't take a commercial break because there's too much good stuff to talk about. Um, I have not even barely looked at the questions I had here because who cares about questions when we have so many things we can cover? Is there anything we haven't covered when talking about podcasts, ROI, how to get ROI that you want to make sure we get to? Um, not off the top of my head. We covered a lot of ground pretty quick today. Um, we could go a lot deeper on how on using podcasts, but I think we've covered most of the key theories Fantastic. Let's, let's hit one more thing here. Um, somebody has a podcast already and they want to get sponsors. Is, is there a way to go and get sponsors to approach people to get sponsorships? Should they even be thinking about that? Yeah. If they want to <laughs> get sponsors. I like that's the whole answer. Yes. <laughs> now, really, if you want to get sponsors, go find uh, no, go find, go make a list of the 30 to 50 companies that you would absolutely love to sponsor your show because they have a fantastic fit with your audience. You know, your audience will buy the product and you know that they're already sponsoring newsletters or podcasts or other media. Oh, interesting. So don't just go after the companies. You have to look into them and see if they don't sponsor anything, it's a much tougher sell to get them to sponsor their first thing. Yep. 
Okay, awesome. Um, The flip side to that is if you're trying to sell like a $500 a month sponsorship, there's a lot of companies where that's below most marketers and executives uh, flag on the budget and they'll buy it as a test run without thinking twice. Oh, nice. Now there's probably also companies that that's not enough money for them to take a call to discuss it even. Like that it's, not, it's not worth their time. So don't aim too large. Like Fortune 500 is not going to take your call. Like for $500, they're like, I'm sorry, but my 10 minutes of time is worth more than that. Yeah. I like, especially for podcasts, I like companies with teams of fewer than about eight marketers. Normally, if they've got one marketer, that's a good sign that they might be open to it because they've still got flexibility in what they do. Interesting. But the so you bigger can... the team, the more defined the budgets. So you can check them out on LinkedIn. Just say, oh, these guys have 20 people in the marketing department. Never mind. Um, let me aim a little lower. Yeah. Unless they have somebody who specifically handles partnerships, sponsorships, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Where in that case, you can reach out to that person. And that way you can get that one contact where you just say, hey, try us out. And they say, sure, let's do something. And you're off and running. Yep. In, in, the, in the dream scenario. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in reality... We'll hit up maybe 50 or 60 brands most of the time before we might get yeses earlier, but to get somebody all the way to close, to get them signed up and to make sure that they're going to be a good fit. Right. Them saying yes and then them pulling the trigger, very different things. Um, So, I mean, let's say you get a company that says yes. How do you know what to charge them for this, for the, for the ad uh, space and how to negotiate that. And do you guys have any, I know you guys cover all this in your uh, call for content company, but do you have information on your site on that or would they consult with you for that? So we've got some information on the site and podcast score will provide you with a little more info. Um, you know, if a sh- if your show is already hitting above 1500 on a podcast score or even above a thousand you're you're doing pretty well with it okay and i guess outside of that what i'd say is we always start between 500 and a thousand as our initial sponsor and then generally the way we go about it is that initial sponsor should always be able to cover all the production costs of the show Right. So if it's costing you two grand per episode, your sponsor better pay you more than two grand per episode. Yeah. At least 2.1. And if it's costing you two grand per episode and you don't have any sponsors, you shouldn't be spending two grand per episode probably. Yeah. Unless you're working (laughs) for McDonald's or something. Yeah. I I threw out a random uh, number that I realized that's pretty high for production value per episode for your average podcaster probably. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's high for your average, and that's low for uh, like a network show. A Gimlet show is going to cost fifteen grand an episode, probably. Right. The ones you hear that have constant editing, taking tracks out of the middle of the conversation, popping them in the front, laying music over constantly. <laughs> so those ones you're talking about ten k plus per episode. Yeah, if you're using an all US based team, definitely. Wow. And most people listening are probably saying, holy cow, how can you spend $10,000 on an episode? I'm spending $10 on an episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, we spend, I think I average around 15 to 20. And that's with show notes and all the social posts. 
Right. So you can do it at a very low cost and you can also do it at a very high cost. Yeah. It's, it's a great medium like that. You can sink as money, as much money in as you want. I like to tell people we do ours at an extremely low cost and the better your content is, the less you have to spend on the podcast, which is why we spend so little. Our content's awesome. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) And that it's true. We actually have a little metric gauge that we teach the team. And if a show's subscriber numbers or downloads average is increasing, we generally attribute that if they don't have active show growth going in some way, we almost always attribute that to content change and format improvement. Right. And is that, that's just looking at and making adjustments to how the structure of the podcast, for instance, we used to introduce the guest and talk about the company and what you do at the very front of the podcast. We looked at that and said, this is boring and the listeners don't care as much as, as the guest does. Let's move that to the middle and get into the content a little quicker. I would imagine our guests appreciate that or our, our um, listeners appreciate that. So just those kind of tweaks to improve the, um, the actual content itself, the listenability and how much people like it. Yeah. And if you were to add, say, what we, we call it a audience engagement loop that we try to stick in most episodes uh, or shows, if it's not one we can put in every episode, just some point where we can shout out, point out audience members or answer their questions, get something going, because the number one way to grow a podcast is still referrals from the audience, word of mouth. Interesting. Audience engagement loop. We do not do that. I'll have to uh, figure out a way to do that. Do a grab bag episode. If you want to do a grab bag about podcasts sometime, I am more than happy to come back. Awesome. I actually do have notes on my sheet that we put together for every episode um, at the bottom that we recently added to start asking people for questions on LinkedIn on the subject matter ahead of time and getting people's um, input ahead of time for us to mention in the podcast. So I guess that would be, in a sense, uh, an audience engagement loop in a way. You know who does a fantastic job at this? Who's that? A pomp on Twitter. I forgot what the guy's actual name is. He's a Bitcoin guy, the Bitcoin guy. Uh Uh-huh. And he's got a podcast. Before every episode's recording, he tweets out to his audience, hey, I'm interviewing this person. What should I ask them? Yep, exactly. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that's what we wanted to do on on LinkedIn. We just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Well, now you've got good reason to. (laughs) We have an expert who just told us, what are you waiting for? (laughs) Fantastic. Um, All right. I think I I asked this once before, and then we had a bunch more to say. So I'll see if we can draw some more out. Anything else we need to cover on this? Or have we done a pretty good, again, surface skim on ROI and and podcasts? But uh, we can only dive in so deep and even though we do an hour episode here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've covered all the core concepts. I would definitely say everyone here should try out doing some marketing with podcasting. Um, Dip your toes in the water with sponsorship or appearing on other people's. And then, you know, just do 12 episodes of the series. See what happens. Or just do one. We've got a free trial. Awesome. And I'd say if you're wondering okay, we want to sponsor one or whatnot. How do we get into that? Well, you can reach out to us if you want to sponsor ours. We'll take your call. I think it's a good show. 
Yeah, you can also reach out to uh, Michael. I'm sure he has uh, plenty of things going in that area. And uh, say, hey, we'd like to sponsor a podcast. Here's our space. You got anything? Um, and, uh, and see how you can dip your toes in the market there. Yeah, we are more than happy to help in any and every way. Plus, I've got office hours, and those don't cost anything. But I record them, and then I use them to make content later. That's awesome. <laughs> everything is content. Um, all right. Well, we'll have everything on the show in the show notes. Um, callforcontent.com for the podcast consulting that they do. Podcast360. Is that the right domain? Podcast360.com? Yeah. I'm podcast 360 podcasting 360. We had the one and then we realized that people will always say the other. Right. You get, then you got to get them both. Um, so that's got all the podcast production information and services on there. If you want to find uh, Michael, you can search him on LinkedIn, Michael Greenberg. And uh, of course we'll have that link in the show notes as well. And then access to the podcast revenue and valuation tool um, the podcast score tool, we'll have a link to that in the show notes, as well as some of the other things we discussed, the uh, Squadcast, Riverside, um, Otter.ai, I believe it was for transcription. Is that O-T-T-E-R? Yep. Fantastic. And then I'll give you one more too, Descript. That's the transcription as well? Yeah, so Descript does transcription, but it's also audio editing. It's like using Word or Google Docs, but to edit audio and text at the same time. Nice. Oh, wow. So it does the audio and the text. That's great. That's great. One thing we found that we've used for a while for the video clips is Photoshop. Oh, yeah. You can edit video in, you don't have to have Adobe Premiere. You can edit video in Photoshop um, very, very well. Uh, so yeah, that's, I know my, uh, my editors don't like the new tools that I give them because all the new tools are designed for uh, people who don't know anything about editing. <laughs> yeah. So if you have somebody who already does Photoshop, you have a graphic designer, um, you can probably just throw your, uh, your video from a podcast recording to them and say, you know, make some clips. Uh, the headliner also uh, you'd mentioned, we've used that before too. Great for making short little clips. Um, uh, uh, to post on social and that, and that kind of stuff. All right. Uh, well, you can find all this and, uh, and more in the show notes at uh, ifyoumarket.com. And that's all the information on Michael Greenberg as well, ifyoumarket.com. And uh, please share us on social media. Tell a friend. Give us a good review on iTunes. Help bring our valuation up so we can get in the market there. <laughs> and uh, on behalf of the If You Market team and Michael Greenberg of Call for Content and podcast360.com, Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with podcasts, they will come.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.